I think part of growth is, you know, looking at your peers and, and learning what you can uh, and trying to apply them yourself. And, you know, just through friendship, I learned a lot of things from a service side and from a food side that may, maybe I didn't look at a certain way before. Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Bancom Podcast where word is bond. Turn on the beat in my headphones. Turn my headphones up. Turn my headphones up. I am Nicky Menez. I am joined, as per usual, by 8th grade basketball MVP, the two-time, the two-time, yeah. James Beard. Long lister. Semi-finalist. Yep. Well, you're, you're now on a shorter list. Did anybody from uh, from the South get eliminated? No, not yet. No, because yeah. they, they eliminated a couple of people. Did they? Yeah, they, they realized they had nominated people who were not actually currently working at their restaurants. Oh, well, that's, that is a – oh, I saw something about a clerical error about outstanding chef. Clerical. Giant. So Maybe. There were, there were like two or three cases of this. Man. Yeah, people who uh, – the restaurants were still open, but the, the chefs were, were not active, apparently. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Um, you know, which – which I guess I, I I will say I'm not trying to like uh, uh, portray the Beard Foundation as sloppy. I think it was like a weird technicality where like they had left the restaurants inside of the last few months. Mm. So like technically, according to the rules, they were no longer eligible. So they had to be removed. And that that was that sort of thing. It wasn't like you know they had disappeared a long time ago or whatever. It was a it was a weird circumstance. Well, it was like if Raheem like if 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 like in that situation where like we found out when he did the podcast. That right. he hadn't been there for like a month. It was that kind of thing. Correct. No, let's leave that in. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, we were supposed to be joined by a guest who was not able to join us today. Um, we were stood up. We weren't stood up. We were stood up. You know, it was a, the, the, there, were, there were things you you know, know, you out are. of their control. We were stood up. All right. Well, you, can, you can lob these accusations around. That's right. I'm going to lob them. Do it. Um, Thea- theater. So, Theatrical. <laughs> wear your mask if you want to. Sex sells. <laughs> they, were, they were doing a lot of things around here. Uh, welcome to Pan Con Clichés. Oh, there it is. Um, That's a good one. I like yeah, that. Pan Con Cliché. Yeah. Pan Con Cliché. No, que cliché. That's good. I like it. Um, so instead, what we're going to do, and this is kind of like a, a, a good time to get stood up because there's a, a couple of things that have been talked about on the podcast that we can now recap since they happened pretty recently. Sure. One of those is the collaboration dinner that you did here at Ariete, eh, eh, Ariete with is. Ryan Rotino of Washington, D.C.'s Jaunt and Bresca. Uh, we haven't put this episode out at the time that we're talking now, but right. when you hear this, our most recent episode will have will be that interview with Ryan Rotino. So, uh, so this is sort of the follow-up to that, and we'll recap that dinner, for which I was, uh, I was not able to be there. I but, invited you. Yeah, but you invited me. I, I, I appreciate the invitation, but you asked me if I wanted to be there, like as a media dine, and I was like, "That's that just feels that caro." It feels gross, right? It feels like when that caro. You feel a little dirty when I asked you to do that. I mean, this is the dirtiest possible situation yeah. for that because it's not just a media dine; it's a media dine where we're already doing the media. So it's super insider trading, very insider trading, and God knows I do enough of that around here. Oh man, yeah. I mean, we already have. On our PL every month, we have like Nicholas Jimenez. Do you on, really? On the PL, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's good. That's very good. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. Uh, wait till I have PL and then we'll 
<laughs> Buncombe Podcast is not that organized an operation. All the bathroom right breaks. Oh man, the bathroom yeah. breaks. Yeah. So many monopolios. Um so uh let's just kind of recap. Uh you know, obviously you discussed it a bit with Ryan, but for anybody who might be coming in now, uh talk a bit about what that dinner even was, who Ryan is, what you guys did, and then we can kind of get into the particulars, like walk people through as if they were there. So, I mean, obviously we're, we're like straight up like following up the, the podcast that we did with Ryan. So we already talked about how we became friends and we became friends pretty fast. And something that we talked about for a long time was, you know, me going up there to cook and then him, him coming down here to cook. It just happened to coincide with South Beach Food and Wine Festival, which was random and totally on uh, totally his doing which everyone yeah. thinks that I planned that which I did not um, but yeah I mean it was by by chance that it happened the same weekend but you know we did it I think four months apart from each other and you know something that's really eerie is how similar his restaurant is from ours that came up a little bit in the conversation what do you mean by that just like our style of food our approach um, the fact that both restaurants are three stories. Uh, ours is two stories down. His is two stories up. Or no, one down. Oh, perfect. No, no, no. Don't go. You're coming over here. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You're coming. Yeah, I need you for 20 minutes. Bring your shower beer. Yeah, you. A little shower Pull beer, up a huh? chair. Pull up a chair there, sugar. You can just take this one. I know he's gonna, but I'm, I want to finish this oh, part. Oh, okay, and, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Get the fuck out of here. And, um, you know... Uh, we Ryan and I had talked to, for a long time about like the possibility of Michelin coming to Miami. Yeah, and he was always very supportive, and he was like, um, uh, he's just a great friend, uh, someone that always supported ideas. We talked about ideas, we talked about service, we talked about food, we talked about approach, and some of the things that he learned uh, after he got his star, before he got his star, all those things. So, I mean, I think part of growth is. You know, looking at your peers and, and learning what you can uh, and trying to apply them yourself. And, you know, just through friendship, I learned a lot of things from a service side and from a food side that may, maybe I didn't look at a certain way before. So it was interesting to do two dinners together because, you know, when we cooked over there, I think when you cook an area, it's kitchen, it's super specific. And then when we cooked over there, their kitchen is very specific also. So it wasn't like super kosher all the time it was a, a still very different yeah um but there was a lot of like similarities but still it's different rooms different environments so this dinner specific so now i'd like to introduce the executive chef of Ariette, which is senor manuel drinking senor his manuel i know we call him senor manuel that's good this is the first time i'm hearing i this. know he gets cool pictures like all the time a lot of cool pictures a he lot does, of cool he pictures he does a lot of the work here and he actually get over uh, you can take this chair come on you get this chair and you get a headphone and you get a microphone there's so many things you get i know you get all the things and you, get, you know what i'm about to do what you don't get is a race but here it is <laughs> so um FYI, the headphone only works on the left side yeah, the headphone only works on the left side. Yeah, we work on a budget here. We work on a budget. It's the same thing. We only have four non-stick pants. <laughs> we do. What the fuck is that? And they're all scratched up. So, Chef Manny has been... What the fuck is that? That's amazing. It's a train horn on a truck. Small pee-pee syndrome. Anyways, um, Chef Manny's worked here for two years. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, two years. Obviously, we lost, I don't know, eight months of that to COVID. It feels like so much longer. Right. And something that uh, when Manny did his tasting for me, one of the first things I mentioned was, you know, my long-term goal is for Area to win Michelin star. Yeah. Right? So that's something that we've always wanted to raise our standard. We wanted to be in that conversation. We wanted to push for that kind of thing. So we saw this dinner as an opportunity to, you know, kind of what we thought is playing with the big boys. Absolutely. Right? So I would say, I don't know, four or five months ago when we came with the menu? Yeah. Well, I think it was sooner than that. Was it? Yeah. Maybe three. <laughs> okay. Two, two months. Three. Three. Every time we came up with something, it was like, you know, if we're really going to push, we're really going to push, right? Absolutely. We're going to push ourselves as far as we can go. So let's walk through some of the dishes. Okay. We're going to walk through some of them. Manny's a little camera shy, as Very. you can see. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did for the canapé something that we worked on for a while, which was the Malanga Tater Tot, which was inspired by Nick, actually. Really? It was inspired by Nick. That's <laughs> true. That's a true story. I saw Nick cooking something at home, and I'm like, that's really good. The way Nick did it kind of looked like shit, but if we can no, make yeah, it. Yeah, we, we had to refine it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> we could make it better. Um, yeah, the uh, Malanga Tot. Yeah, Malanga Tot. And just with creme fraiche and caviar. Yeah, a little bit of an egg yolk jam. Egg yolk jam, that's right. And um, I thought those were delicious. Yeah, it was a great bite. We could eat, I mean, I could yeah, eat like 12 of those. Easy. This episode of Pancom Podcast is brought to you by The Barrel. This is the barbecue grill that, if you're watching this in video form, is in front of us. We're here with uh, Chef Danny Boza. Danny, tell us a little bit about what the genesis of this thing was. Where does The Barrel come from? You know, I, I, I was a chef. I was a, you know, working for a civil engineering firm before that, and I really hated everything that I was doing at the time. So I've always had a passion for cooking. And then, you know, I, I decided one day to move to New York and everything took off from New York, Chicago, Hong Kong, LA, you know, Colorado, and then to Hawaii and then back to Miami. And then I opened up my own spot in uh, Coral Gables, got sold the restaurant and moved on to the next big, bigger, better thing. Obviously COVID hit, so we had our own passion project. It started because a, a, a friend was now a, bit, a business partner Diego Londonio approached me to do a menu for his coffee shop. And I said, you know, let's go to Colombia. I got to see the tree. I got to, you know, feel it out, get a little inspiration. So I went out there and then, uh, you know, I tried some of the food when I got there and I was blown away by the flavor. I found out they were actually cooking with the actual coffee tree. And then I saw their South American style roaster and it was just really dinged up, beat up oil drum. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I can make something that's really cool. So myself and Diego put our heads together and, you know, it, it's a home run in my opinion. It's very sleek, very beautiful to look at. Um, it's very, very cool. It's a conversation starter. People see that in yeah. your yard and they want to talk about it. Yeah, definitely people see it. And again, we're not trying to take over anybody's yard. We're trying to a compliment, you know, making a compliment to it. So what you would do on your regular grill for something very quick, you might want to say on a weekend, I got more time and I want to chill out and, you know, use the barrel create some beautiful flavors out of that with our hardwood lump charcoal. Do you remember what some of the first things you did with it when you were maybe like prototyping it or you had like, you had it close to final form? Yeah, actually I'll, I'll keep it short. So one of the main things was, is that our base was simply just the base. It was just a very plain base. 
And uh, in order to stop all the fat that was dripping and rendering, I would use sand around the side. But of course, you know, even some of the best chefs in the world make some of the greatest mistakes. So I would drop some of the food directly on the sand and there's no getting sand off food once it hits it. So we had to think of a different system. So now we created these two half moon systems at the base in which you can add liquid and have a grate on top, which pretty much sets this apart from any other, you know, grill, roaster, smoker, which, you know, the three-in-one combo is not really commonly found out there. Very cool. So if people want to learn more, if people want to buy this thing, how do they get more information about the barrel? I would say go to our Instagram page, you know, at barrel the BBQ. And, you know, you can go and see our link tree there, which has our YouTube channel, our order page, our information, our specs about the barrel. And it has a bunch of fun videos and very cool things that we've cooked out of it so far. Very cool. And once you're there, if you use promo code PANGKONG10, that's PANGKONG10, P-A-N-C-O-N, because I know a lot of people have trouble with this. We don't <laughs> speak Spanish. We've been called Pumpkin Podcast, the Panko Podcast. This is P-A-N-C-O-N10 for $100 off of the barrel. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you. This episode of Pancom Podcast is also brought to you by Elite Impact Windows. Elite Impact Windows does exactly what it sounds like they do. They are purveyors of impact windows. That's the kind that, especially if you're in a hurricane-prone sort of area, you want so stuff doesn't come flying through your windows. Mike, you have impact windows on some of your restaurants. Listen, I heard a rumor. Tell me if this is true. Are all their products tested to go up to 185 mile per hour wind pressures? That is how their products are tested. That's all their products are tested to meet that. I don't know. I've never been out in 185 mile per hour wind. But if I were, I think I might want to wear some of these windows as like a suit. I feel safer already just thinking about if I was walking around in that kind of wind and I was wrapped around with their just windows just wrapped around me, I'd feel like a much safer person. Yeah, you should put them on your caddy. I, mm, you know, maybe, maybe not. But I, and I also heard that they meet all the requirements of Miami-Dade County. They do meet all the requirements of Miami-Dade County. Fuck me. That's amazing. EliteImpactGlass.com or on Facebook, Elite Impact Windows, Instagram, Elite Impact Glass. They are proud partners with Eco Windows, CGI, and Windor. One of the things I really appreciate about them and their company is that all their products are made locally here in South Florida. And fuck me, that's amazing. Look at this. They are all made here in South Florida. Did you do your research? Man, man? I did not do the research. <laughs> Somebody didn't show up ready. They have competitive pricing with totally 0% financing available. I mean, I don't know. If you have credit like mine, you might not get 0% financing, but <laughs> it may be an option. It's possible that that's an option for you, 0% financing. I don't know exactly how that works. Whatever the case, if you go on the website, you ask for a quote, and you mention Bang Gong Podcast, you will get... 10% off of your installation. And I don't know if you guys have ever installed Windows before, but 10% off of window installation, that's a good fucking deal. And you know what? You got it here first on Pancom Podcast. That's right. Mention Pancom Podcast. Again, it's EliteImpactGlass.com or Elite Impact Windows on Facebook, Elite Impact Glass on Instagram. By the way, you mentioned restaurants. They do do they, com- do, they, they do do, they do do commercial <laughs> properties. So whether it's for your home or your business, if do, you need a lead impact do, glass do, to put, do, uh, you know, all that do do um, and do the things that they do do so well, yeah. uh, you wanna you wanna get in and on that. Also, this company very woke, very woke. They also offer solar power systems with backup batteries and custom generators for your home. You know why? Because they're woke. I, I don't know if that's a positive thing these days to be woke, but what? you know, but it's it's nice. I mean, sounds you know, good. It sounds good to me that there's solar power involved. I'm into it. 
generators, solar power, impact glass. Uh, if you go to their website, they got a video that shows off like a home that has all of that stuff going on at one time, which is pretty wild. That's pretty um, wild. A lot of panels, a lot of glass, a lot of things. Pretty soon, we are going to get our hands on a, uh, at least one pane of impact glass. I'm ready. And we're going to try to break it. I'm ready. I don't know what the procedure will be. Uh, <laughs> but our but Mike's breath will have a blast of freshness from that banaka you just heard. I like the I like this a banaka a really banaka blast at last fast blast banaka. I just want everybody to know uh, and apologies to Elite Impact Glass because uh, this uh, I don't want this to sound like an ad for banaka. But in the time that we've been sitting here to record this ad, Mike has blasted himself with banaka like five times, twice. Kicks I don't know, man. Twice. I don't know. Come on, twice. Elite Impact Glass. Thanks to our sponsor. Thanks. Go, go get your windows from. Go go get go get those windows. Right, and then they did their uh, tart with kabocha squash and trout roe. Trout roe, the smoked trout roe. Yeah, and then uh, the first course was his semi-cooked scallop with the buttermilk dressing, herb oil, uni. There was, right? Yeah, there was uni. Uni. And the Celtus. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then our first course was the mosaic. Yeah, the torsion. So I had this weird idea, and, and, and my idea was to do it square. Remember that was the first? Yeah. I was talking about, like, layering it, sealing it, layering it. And then Manny's idea was to do this really beautiful um, circular torsion uh, that was layered. Explain the whole thing. So... This uh, technique, I I saw when I went to go stage at uh, Kaliki Onsen's. Uh, what's this? 2012. 2000, Ten years ago. Yeah, it was a long Your time old ago. Your brother. Come I on. know. Um, but I've never had the opportunity to, you know, to try it out, mm. and I felt like this was a perfect opportunity. To, you know, like you said, we're gonna come play with the big dogs. This is definitely one of those times where we're gonna come out swinging. You know, mm. and you know, showcase what we were able to do. So. Um, we wanted to do guava with that. Sorry, I'm a little short. Get close. Get closer. Get in there. Yeah, we wanted to use uh, the guava that from uh, guava George. Guava George. Mm-hmm. So we uh, poached it in red wine, um, diced it up, put a bunch of chunks in there, and at the same time, we also used his uh, his jam. So we poached whole fresh guava. Uh, these were the Asian white guavas. Right, they weren't the pink guavas. These were these were pink. Oh, they were. These were. Oh man, uh, were they actually George's? They, they were not. They were not. Okay. No, because he's been. Uh, he doesn't have the fruit for yet. Months, yeah, yeah. No. I got it. So we poached those in red wine, and then uh, George makes this special um, kind of like guava concentrate. Like it's like the the consistency is very thick. Like it's spreadable, but like thick spreadable, mm-hmm. and he makes that specially for Geo. For his pastelitos. Yeah. So, in the process, we had this large PVC pipe. This looked like a science project. It was <laughs> it crazy. Did. It took three people to do, right? It did. And it was like this large PVC pipe. It's and a two-footer. Ma- Manny's short, so he's holding the PVC pipe. And then shorter, <laughs> Ashley is pouring. Uh, or Manny's pouring, and then Ashley's shorter. And she's doing the guava piping uh, yeah. and dropping. So it was like a three-person project for this. Yeah. But they were beautiful. Yeah, it's probably the 
for me, it's like one of the top five dishes we've done here in my area since I've started. I mean, it's the fact that we're considering adding a fourth foie dish <laughs> to our menu, <laughs> yeah. right? To do that dish because it was, not only was it delicious. Actually, Nick ate that tonight. Yeah, he did. Delicious. It was interesting. It was beautiful. It was different. Um, it was all the things that kind of like, I think, encapsulate like what it is we do. Hold on. Niall! Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. What's going on here? What happened to Gabe? I told Gabe like 20 minutes ago. I feel, man, you don't love me anymore now. So, um, all those kind of like things kind of encapsulate our food, at least foundationary when we think about them. Mm Mm-hmm. Has it been done before? Is it different? Is it interesting? But is it still delicious? It's, I feel like it's an area dish. Right. We made it an area dish. And then we served it with caramelized white chocolate. Yes. Which to me, white chocolate and guava just make complete sense. Mm-hmm. Um, tarragon, which I have a weird obsession with. Yeah, but all the flavors make sense. Also makes sense, but I think tarragon makes sense with a lot of things. Yeah. But we uh, dehydrated the tarragon and we put it in the salt. Mm-hmm. And then we served it with Chef... Chef Devin's brioche. Yeah. It was essentially the bread and butter course, which is what we talked. That's what, right? Yeah. That's like what we talked about, right? You temper it all. Thanks, sugar. You're a beautiful man. I don't care what Manny says about you. Just don't babysit. Fuck off. (laughs) Um, I think the dish was like striking. Yeah. What sucks is that we had, we had actually purchased the plate just for this dish. Yeah, we did. And then instead of getting the full order of plates, we only got two. <laughs> so we couldn't put it on the actual plate, which is interesting because, you know, like six years ago, I'd just be like, whatever, put it on any fucking plate. And that's not how we think anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore at all. So I thought that that was probably one of the more stellar dishes in the entire meal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was like, it just was striking from no, top to was, bottom. It was great. And then after that, we did um, the monkfish. Was it monkfish actually? Yeah. It was? Wait, was it monkfish? monkfish? No, we had the the pork press, the morcilla. Uh, pork was after that, and then monkfish? Yeah, more, it, was, uh, it was pork, then monkfish. Yeah. Anyways, I think you're wrong, but it's fine. I don't know. It was We did it was one a, of those two dishes. It, it was last week. It wasn't a long time ago. We're not even five days removed. It was like a long time ago. So um, then we did... One dish that we were familiar with, which was the pork press, we did execute it a different way, which I'm not sure if it's a better way, but we now we know. Mm-hmm. Pork belly, morcilla, pork belly, pressed, baked, sliced, yeah. seared, with cordo rancho white beans, uh, and then this little cute dumpling of head cheese. The dumpling wrapper was calabasa. It was. Compressed calabasa. The idea behind it was like caldo gallego mm-hmm. flavors which was good. Um, I like that dish a lot. I still haven't found, like, pure happiness with that dish. I still think that we're kind of, like, in a... I've never tried the first one, so I tried this one. I thought it was delicious. And people seem to really like it. I think we fucked up by changing the way that we picked it up, which is on me because I wanted to change it. But, um, But these were thicker than the first time we did it. Right. And I don't remember why that was different. Did we set them in three molds the first time? We or, did. I wasn't there for the yeah, yeah. the last dinner. You were out of town. Yeah, out of town. Um, fuck, I don't remember. But anyways, mm-hmm. we cut them like thinner, mm-hmm. and we just 
threw them in the salad. We warmed them up because they were already cooked. I don't know. I'm still like on the fence. I feel like it's delicious, but I still feel like it's got room to grow. Yeah. Um, and then we did the monkfish, which I also found delicious, but still has room to grow. Yeah, right. that was our first go at it. Right. Like a lot of these dinners, uh, we don't really recipe test, oh, even man. though we try. Do we ever really recipe test? We tried one time. We tried one time. And it worked for like a week. It did work for a week. The, the thing about our kitchen is it's too like organic. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. There's too many good people in the room to be like, we need to like compartmentalize the way that we think because mm -hmm. then you're going to stop creativity. Yeah. So then the monkfish was monkfish loin wrapped in like a monkfish sausage that we called butifarra mm -hmm. wrapped in Swiss chard. Yes. And then a corn puree and then Evan's puff potato things, which I wish I could take back. <laughs> we tried to do these like, Oh man, I didn't oh, think they were going to be that difficult. Fuck me. But he made it sound like they weren't going to be difficult. I know. Because he made one. <laughs> he did make one. He made us one. And then he spent, what, five hours making oh. 200. <laughs> it's like, dude, it was crazy every time. That's the only thing he did for all of production time. Everybody else had to pick up his projects. Yeah, and all his projects were literally just bring stuff upstairs, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, I think that was my favorite throughout the day. Evan, how you looking? I, I'm, I'm good, chef. How many do you have? 40. What do you mean? Like, you have 40 to go? No, I have 40. So you have to make 200 of those. Yeah. And he's like... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is where we're at. I said, well, Danny, you're going to have to do this. And, you know, Ashley, you should probably do that. And just because if not, we're going to be in the weeds. Yeah. So I thought that dish was also delicious. Mm -hmm. um, we, we tried that dish before service, and I thought it was really good. Yeah. Solid. Like, it was our first time making it, putting it together, putting it, like, until that, before that day, we'd never tried all the components together. Not together. Yeah. We've tried them. Yeah, it's just not, 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 not together. Right now in the same dish. Um, and then after that was um, the duck, right? Chef Ryan's duck, which I thought was delicious. Um, was I mean, nice. yeah, it was really fucking nice. Yeah. I mean, those dudes can cook. <laughs> well, you know, it's two guys on 20 ducks. You know, <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> what I love, one of my favorite things about Manny... Is it, he takes zero prisoners, right? It's very secure in himself and where he works. And he looks over to Ryan at around 7.40. And he goes, Chef, you think you're going to be uh, set up on your station yet or what? And I was like, oh, fuck, that's great. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, they were almost due for their first round of ducks. Yeah. And they were still searing. Well, it's interesting, right? Because at Jaunt, they seared two ducks. Yeah, no. <laughs> like for yeah, the no. whole night. So they had to do what, 20? Yeah, they brought 22. Um, yeah, they did somewhere around 20. 20. Yeah, I mean, that sucks. That's a lot of ducks. How many ducks you do today? Today we did six. Six. Yeah, yeah but we've done, or not with this technique, but we've done 14 in one day, yeah. which is a lot. Difficult. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a lot. lot. So, I mean, their duck dish was beautiful. Yeah, it was. Tardivo, right? That's what it's called. The uh, Radicchio. Something like heirloom. that. Yeah. Um, it, it was. The dots of the thing, which I don't remember, the, like, thousand-year balsamic, uh, right? What balsamic? Right, right. No, they got that. They took it with them. Um, <laughs> and then their duck press shoe, which they did at home, which yeah. we're now looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm like, fuck, why don't we do that here? Mm -hmm. Fuck me. 
because me and Ashley were like struggling that day over there. <laughs> I was like, "Where's the duck press? I gotta go upstairs and get the duck press. I gotta bring it down. Then I gotta clean it. And then I gotta." I was like, "Fuck, man! I should have just done this." But shit they don't use the duck press there anymore, do they? They do, really. But they have like literally one duck press for both places because they 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 don't do the table side. Okay. So, um, I think they do certain days, but not every day. And then upstairs at John, they just do it for two ducks. Yeah, that's all they need. So it's fine. And then we went into dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, that was delicious. It was like this mashup with fernet, mint, janduya. Really beautiful. Um, and then we went into minyardis, which was uh, little alfajores of a pig and then one of a duck, which the pig was obviously us and the duck was them, which yeah. was adorable. It was delicious also. Super cute. Yeah. Super cute. So I thought the dinner went like extremely well. Mm-hmm. From the service side, I struggled a little bit on the expo side just because I feel I felt like we were always behind and we didn't have enough people to execute kind of like at the pace I wanted to execute at. I felt like we had plenty of hands. We just didn't have the space. Well, I mean, what was it? What was the first thing I told you after dinner was done? We need a bigger kitchen. Yeah, you did. Yeah, we need a bigger kitchen. Yeah. It's like to do that kind of service. Because we also had supplements, which we didn't even talk yeah, about. Yeah, no. We did have supplements. Manny came up with uh, a, a caramelized plantain, ocentric caviar, and then I added lobster demi. Yeah, which and was it, like the finishing touch. It was delicious. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Really delicious. And we sold, what, 32 of those? Yeah. I wasn't expecting to sell that many. No, no, we weren't. We were expecting to sell 5 to 10. Yeah, 5 to 10. Um, the same thing happened to us the last tasting we did, right? Mm-hmm. Supplements. And then Ryan did this <laughs> foie that... He didn't tell us about. He didn't tell us about. That's true. He, he didn't tell us about it. So we, we did it as a supplement because they offered as a supplement at Bresca before the duck... I mean, and, and it was beautiful. Yeah, it was. Really gorgeous. On like that plate and everything? Yeah, yeah. like uh, basically a torchon that was laid into a quarter sheet pan, and then it was sesame butter on top, and then a gelée with consomme and Madeira. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Like, so gorgeous. Um, compressed apples, right? There was compressed apples. All Com- of the uh, truffles on there. <sighs> Whole mess of truffles. Yeah. And then uh, at Bresca, they do their caviar service with this um, duck fat waffle that they call Egos, mm-hmm. and they're delicious. And it was like uh, four of those. And then the thing is, it was basically to feed two people. Beautiful. Sold, I think, 17 or 18 of those. Yeah. I mean, if you went to like all the extremes of all the supplements and stuff, the dinner was, I'd be hard pressed to find a better one that day anywhere. Yeah. In the state and country, like it's. I mean, that's my hope. Yeah, no. I think, like, um, I mean, what I saw on the service end was just like, we're tight on space. I think we're tight on people. Um, you know, the kitchen is tough to work in. I think that the restaurant was never built to do a style of service like that. Mm-hmm. So it's also like sticking a square into a circle. So it's a little bit of a struggle, but. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we could have done better if we didn't have two uh, chefs picking up a duck course and taking up half the line. Listen, <laughs> they're guests, so they can take <laughs> up however much space they want. I know. We picked up four dishes in a matter of like six feet. Yeah, we did. That's true. We did. No, but it was great, though. They were, they were great. 
they took I mean, everything. Honestly, in all the like, when I worked for Norman and when I worked for Michael, I've done a lot of guest chefs dinners. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a line cook, when I was a sous chef, whatever. Those guys were great to work with. No, absolutely. They were a fucking pleasure. They were a delight. They were like super respectful of a space that's you know pretty beat up and old. <laughs> and uh, but I think it's also like what I said going to Bresca. Like they were, it's similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just got a brand new Heston suite, so that's nice. But you know, they're just they get it. Yeah, it's a struggle. Um, and, and I think that's why we've always like vibed super well. And. Uh, I'm happy that we got to do like us there and them here. Um, I don't know. Were you happy at the end with the food? With everything? Yeah, everything was great. Um, you know, we've done a lot of these dinners, so yeah. The more we've done, the more we feel like you know more comfortable. Well, like this one, I, I didn't feel as like I didn't have all of the emotions. Uh, that's interesting because we talked about that after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't either because mm-hmm. I also feel like we belong here. Yeah. And I think um, when we started doing these dinners, we had a lot to learn at the beginning. Oh, I know. You know, the first dinner was 14 courses, yeah. right? 14, 13? Yeah, 14 appetizer portions. Whatever. They were <laughs> massive. I got it. I'm aware. No, but we've learned. Yeah, we learned. Um, and I think we've gotten... A lot better at them. I think we still have like room to grow from them, but um, we just feel like we're in our zone. Yeah, there. And I think that when we when we started doing this too, like we were just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. It was at the beginning of COVID, so it's yeah. also like we were doing something like we were giving the opportunity to a psalm to just be a psalm. Yeah, at that time we were giving the opportunity of a chef to actually be a chef instead of like. Hey, we have to do, you know, tacos to go for 50 people because we have to make money because we need to stay open, yeah, you know? know? Like, we don't have to do that anymore because we're just open. Um, so I think now it's, like, more of a rhythm thing. Like, we feel in rhythm. We feel comfortable here. At Ariette on any given night, we could sell 25 30% tastings out of all the covers that we do, which is a great place to be. And, you know, so it's something that's just – we didn't have a tasting at the beginning of this. No, we didn't. On a regular menu. We just implemented it, what, five months ago? Something like that, five or six months ago. And now we're about to implement a second tasting. Yeah. Do you want to do that? No. (laughs) Or it depends on on how I feel. Like, some days I feel more confident than others. Some days Manny is very froggy. Yeah. Super froggy. You know. Oh, they're talking shit to me. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, let's just do it. I'm like, do you want to do that? Yeah, 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 let's do it. The next day I'm like, fuck, what did I say that? Mm. But, you know. Why not? Well, I mean, I think it's also, we've been open for six years. The idea behind having a second tasting is to have like a, kind of like a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. And then one that, of shit that we want to do. Yeah. Which is, it's a difference now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, actually shit that I love is like from the dinner we had some stuff that was left over and I think we came up we came up with a pretty stellar dish from that Mm -hmm. which I love shit like that because you're just using what's around you to put together a thing that I kind of wish we would have thought of before because I think it was fucking great and it would have been great to serve that day but I like the right now it's between Key West shrimp langoustines scallops thinly sliced at the bottom of a um, plate um, 
the white beans finished with the uni butter, very warm lime, we said? Yeah, we said lime and uni, uni tongues. Yeah, uni tongues on top and then the suriano ham that we have for our turnip mm-hmm. dish, which suriano ham is just serrano ham, but it's not made in Spain. It's made in Virginia, so it's called suriano ham. Mm-hmm. It's very, very delicious. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the whole dish. Yeah, very simple. And it for, was, for us, it's simple. Yes, for us, it's simple. And it's delicious. Yeah. Stuff like that wouldn't go on a classic tasting menu. Stuff like that would go on a tasting menu that we want to put out. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a difference because if someone's never been here before, they should probably have the venison short rib snapper, farmer, oysters. Yeah, stuff we're known for. Right. People that have been here 10, 15, 20 times, they're probably going to want to have the tasting menu that we change every month, two months, three yeah. months, whatever it is. So... Stuff that's not on the regular menu. Right. I mean, and, and I think just evolving the tasting menu program, I think because we've done a lot of tastings and now we've done these collaboration dinners, you know, us there, them here, you learn a lot. And like, for instance, something that Ariette was known for that I was very nervous to take off the menu was our charcuterie program, mm-hmm. which we took off and it's actually been better. Because you want to dive into more of like having a tasting menu because you yeah. need to... You need to shrink something so other things can grow. So, I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of two tastings. But I also think that it's... We're super strapped with space. Yeah, no. It makes it... Like, I, I can only imagine... Like, I think about it from the expo side and looking at, like, a night like... Uh, I don't remember when it was. It was just recent that we had, like... Oh, it was fucking the day before the, the dinner that we had, like... 15 tastings on the board. Oh, yeah. And then we had 15 open <laughs> menus at the same time. And it's like, I'm absolutely shitting a brick yeah. because I'm watching Rafa do these caviar sunflowers. That and then time. also have to do Wahoos. And then also have to do Farmers. And then Farmers for the tasting. I'm like, fuck, Yeah, man. our food's very touchy right now. Is Especially it? It's, it's on Garmo, it is. Like, if you don't do the sunflower ahead of time, like, preset the, the petals, like, it's going to take you... Four, four to minute, five minutes. Four to five minutes, yeah. Per, minutes. per plate. And you're the first one to get hit. Oh, and then, I mean, the way that we had the tasting this weekend, the four, first four courses were all caramel. <laughs> Every single fucking course. Yeah. I mean, they got fucking destroyed. Yeah. Crushed. And I was like, ooh, I didn't even, like, obviously it made sense. But then when you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, that's going to be kind of ugly. Yeah, I didn't look, up, look at that until you told me. No, neither but, did I. <laughs> you know, but it was also a really great menu. I think since we've implemented the tasting menu, that was our best tasting menu. Mm-hmm. We also charged appropriate for it. It was 160 a person. And, you know, I mean, if it's just how it is, right? That's mm-hmm. how it has to be. So, I don't know. All in all, it was good. It was good. I think that it's crazy because we have such a young team. Very young very young team. We're about to get another person from California. Oh, also very young. Shiv. Very young. Shiv, yeah. Shiv. He reached out. Shiv, I mean, if anyone actually listens to this podcast, we talked about a trip that Manny and I went to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny was forced to hang out with me for five straight days. Blast. It was blast. What's it, the French Laundry? I don't know if you guys made heard him about go to, it. I made him go to the gym with what? me. Yeah, it's a watch. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. It's not what happened. You actually worked out. <laughs> Um, and um, one of the kids that helped us, his name was Shiv, super nice kid, mm-hmm. you know, uh, worked well, was very receptive, 
I don't know. He was great. Yeah. So he reached out to both myself and Manny just a couple days, days ago, and he was like, listen, I'm done with school. I want to come work for you guys. I was like, sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, are yeah. you sure? Are you positive? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Fuck, fuck this place. I'm out. I yeah. was like, all right, cool. So he's coming from California to Miami. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. We actually have another uh, applicant from out of state mm-hmm. for a position that we may or may not have. <laughs> we'll take can't it. talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, well, take everybody. No, we can't take everyone. Yeah, we, yeah, we, you know, people <laughs> no, come and go, man. People come and go. Yeah, it's and, true. And, and this... Hold so, on, let's be real though. You've had this team here for a good minute. Yeah, but like we, we've talked about this. To get to the six people I have now, we've gone through 40, 50, yeah. 40 candidates. Yeah, I know. That's and true. you know, in a matter of two years. Yeah. It's a lot. I feel like we've gone through 40 or 50 in the last year. Yeah. At least. Well, people come and go. Like I said, it's part of this profession. You have to accept that, and I, it took me a while, but you have to accept the fact that people are going to go. Yeah. You know, it's part of it's part of the job. It's part of the thing. Yeah, that's why when people go, like, there's no hard feelings because I understand. I've been in their shoes. You know, you go to somewhere else for better pain. Or, you know, it depends on people's what they're <coughs> where they are in their lives. One of the hardest things I ever did was leave Norman to go work for shorts. Mm-hmm. You know, I still hear about it to this day. Norman will always bring it up. <laughs> always. Yeah. But, you know, I had to make a decision for myself, and I thought it was a good decision, and I, I still think it was a good decision. Um, I think that was one of the better decisions I made in my career, to go work for a Schwartz. Yeah. Where were you before that? <sighs> Don't remind me. I was uh, at Cafe Bonjour in <laughs> South Miami. Yeah, no. I was. Uh, I had just gotten fired from uh, Palm Dior, the only place I've ever been fired from. Was that when that wasn't when Gregory was there? No, no it was uh, Felipe, Felipe Ruiz. Felipe Ruiz, yeah, yeah. I've heard stories about yeah, Felipe yeah, he's Ruiz. fucking great. Um, he opened up a little cafe down in South Miami. He was uh, helping them out in the kitchen, and he tapped me in. I'm like, perfect. And it was good. It was yeah, it was a great learning experience. We got like one article in the Miami Herald back then, and business blew up and it was just him and I trained a dishwasher on how to make salads how to saute how to fry how to everything That's and cool. we did a lot of stuff there right? and then from there you went to go work for Schwartz yeah I went to Schwartz yeah which was great like I was there t- about two years and man there's so much to learn then <laughs> so much it's crazy um, I think the troop of people that have been through Michael Schwartz's <laughs> camp whether it's Cypress Room or other places or whatever it is you know, it's pretty impressive lineage that he has. No, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of people that are at the top of Miami now. Yeah. You know, both of us worked there. Mm-hmm. Even worked there. Yeah, my second day was Neven's first day there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, so I got hired by, uh, what's his name, Brad? Bra- Bradley? Bradley Harris. Bradley. It's still there. Yeah. It's still there. <laughs> I got hired by him, and then I'm like, all right, I'll go work for you. And then the second day, he's like introducing this guy as a chef, and I'm like, just signed up to work for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what happened. No, but Neven was great. Yeah, Neven was good. Yeah. I mean, now look at Neven now. He's got what yeah. four, four restaurants, three restaurants, four, four. He's still, uh, Herba is still on deck. Yeah, yeah. So wait, but and then after Schwartz, you went to go work at the at the Zakarian place, right? No, no. After Schwartz, I went to go work with uh, Jose Mendine for like a month. Right, right. And then I left there because I, w- I was already, I wanted to go work at Beechcraft. Oh, that's and right. And that was always the goal. The 100 foot wood grill. Oh, that man, never it worked. Was, it worked. That shit hurt. Yeah. But yeah, opening day, we fucking 
blew it up. Yeah. Yeah, you blew up the you blew yeah. up the hotel. Yeah. I knew that shit was hot. And I'm like, yo, this is not right. And then like obviously in Mexican, nobody's paying attention to me, but right. you know. That shit that shit backfired on them. It was uh they had like no but legitimately it was like forty feet long, right? It was all it was twenty five to thirty feet. It was all a wood like solid fuel. It was yeah. a whole back I mean it's beautiful. All grill works like one of the most beautiful pieces of equipment I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And it was a whole back end of the thing. So imagine whenever you have a solid fuel, like wood is solid fuel, charcoal is solid fuel. You have to have a certain hood for that. Mm-hmm. If you're building it inside of a hotel, they need to have certain type of like reinforcing of like the duct work for that to happen. I guess they didn't reinforce it didn't. enough. <laughs> they may have done it, but it yeah. may have not have been enough. Uh, this bitch was strong. I mean, 30, 30 to 40 feet of fucking solid yeah, fuel is have, a lot. I have a video of it still on my Instagram. And in the background, you can see the lights of the, the fire alarms to going off because it was just so fucking hot. And they did it every single day. No shit. Yeah. Wow. It was, I actually really liked my meal at Beechcraft when yeah. I went. I only went one time. Steven was a chef. Right? Yeah, Chef Steven uh, was a uh, chef de cuisine. Uh, Michael guy, Fiorello. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Michael Fiorello was the uh, executive chef. A bunch of uh, Chef George Ramos was executive sous. He was fucking great, too. Yeah. Man, I... I the people that were there, the opening team, were fucking great. That kitchen was like a Taj Mahal. It was beautiful. I mean, they had, what, four islands or three? One, two, three, four. Four islands. But it's not practical. No, it's... It's, it's beautiful. It's a show kitchen. I mean, it's not practical because you need to... I mean, for four islands, you need to have 45 people in the kitchen working. <laughs> yeah, to, to do a slow dinner service, let's say it's slow for us, was 90 people. We needed minimum, like, seven cooks. And that seems super skeleton. Seven cooks yeah, for that's, four that's islands stretch. and a solid fuel whole back end. It's tough. I mean, think about it. For our slow days here, we have three. Yeah. No. All right. Tonight we had three. Yeah. And we did sixty covers. Yeah. That's pretty good. That, that's it's good pace. Good yeah. Pace. Well, you know, that's also why I second guess us putting a second tasting menu because nights like this where we have three covers or three cooks, right? Or three people on the line. You know, like, is it practical to? do these things and now I need a fourth possibly a fifth person that's not always available this is Manny pleading with me through Panko Podcast this is a <laughs> no. first everyone this is a first get this man another beer please it's halfway <laughs> no, Manny, but like, Manny started drinking rum Negroni so I'm starting to rub off yeah. <laughs> no, they're good I just I've had Negronis before I just don't like the bitterness it's just not I mean they're me. bitter like my soul sure <laughs> sure so, uh, after Beechcraft, then that's then, when you went farther north. Yeah. So I live in Homestead, right? Yeah. This is a this is a huge topic for me. Manny lives deep Homestead, yeah. and he drove. It shocks miles. me that he drives here. He drives. He drove to the Diplomat Beach Resort, which is like an hour from here. It's a from here, maybe. I don't know. For me, it was like one an hour and fifteen. But like for me on expressway, I drive eighty five ninety. Relax. That's, there's people that listen to this, okay? No, but like that for me. Strike that's, that from the conversation. <laughs> he drives the speed limit, people. No, that's like normal, like Miami. If you you know, but yeah, fifty miles one way, fifty miles back. So I would leave, let's say ten in the morning. I wouldn't get home till like two or three in the morning. That was that was fun though. That's real tough. Oh, tell me about it. It's so, real t- I just like when I when I worked at Cyprus, I lived my the first place I lived at was in Deep Kendall. Okay, like one thirty second and what, like right by your house. Um, so by the what used to be Shula Burger, that's now Tacos and Tattoos. Okay, and I fucking 
hated my fucking life. But I also had no highway, right? I yeah. didn't take any highway. It was just all like the roads. The roads. roads. And it was yeah. fucking miserable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Saw the lights. For me, like I'd rather pay all the tolls and Yeah, to just drive. Yeah, just go. It's just like I don't have the time. Or I do have the time, but it's just I spend it driving. That restaurant I also liked a lot too. Yeah, that was great. In the diplomat. Yeah. Point Royal. Point Royal. It was good. Very good. And then from there, you came here, right? Uh, I went to go work at uh, Surfside. Oh, that's right. Then he worked for Thomas Keller. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas Keller. I don't you know if you guys heard of him. Yeah, he's whatever. Um, <laughs> he's fine. No, nah, he was cool. It was like, you know, I went there just trying to get in my foot in the door, you know, just to learn technique. And I felt like I did that in the year and a half that I was there. There was just no room for me to grow when I when I wanted to grow. Well, the thing is that company's built like very old school. Yeah, they they work a lot of people up through the ranks, and they'll move people from other states to take chef jobs in other states. And yeah, I mean they do a lot of that. Yeah, so. when they did when for me I was a tournant or it's like the person that moves from station to station covers all the station. Next move for me was sous chef, but. None of the sous chefs were going to leave because obviously we're a year and a half in. Everybody's going to be there at least two years. So I put in my note. Or I had been looking for like at least six months before we got in contact. I mean, I, and I've said this openly, like there was only three people I wanted for this job and I interviewed all three of them, but I only really wanted Manny. Because, mm. you know, I'm, I'm a big like trust person and we had known each other already for, I don't know. Ten years? Nine, ten years. Now it's ten years. Yeah. No, I think at that point it was like six years six seven years maybe and um that was that was my goal so you know i got him i got my guy <laughs> i got my yeah. guy the other guys were great too uh they just i don't know if they would have like fit the bill many has been coming to area since the day that it opened pretty <laughs> much yeah bringing his like four month old daughter yeah she had her first dessert here she had first a lot of first year which is amazing and yeah. i love that so you know, I mean, that's a pretty interesting story. And then to be here, and then it, Manny started like, uh, I don't know, a month before COVID happened, right? Two months. I started in February, first week of February. And then March. Oh, yes. Yeah. So six so weeks. Month, yeah. Six weeks, essentially. And then the world turned upside down, and then it was like, what the fuck do we do now? Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. It was rough. And here we are now. Yeah. Um,. Well, thanks for like just impromptu coming onto the podcast and making you very uncomfortable, which I love doing. That was really good. Oh man, did you talk about your tattoo? Oh, I haven't talked about my tattoo yet. Nick was talking about it at the bar. Was he? Yeah, he says that you went to a Creed concert yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fucked up. I mean, the, the concert I saw yesterday was like with arms across your chest. That's good. <laughs> the concert I went to yesterday was fucking incredible. Who was it? So, Chris Stone, Kingfish, Ingram. Kids 24 years old. Mm-hmm. He, I, and I don't, I listen to a lot of music. I do not say this lightly. That kid is a generational talent. Yeah. I have never seen something like that. And I've been to quite a few shows, blues shows, whatever. Man. Special. Like, flooring special. Like, it absolutely, like, floored me. I was like, you know, like, I listened to his music, and I was like, he's, he's good. He's really good. But, you know, you sound good in a studio. Yeah. Do you sound like that in person? 
And, I mean, he fucking annihilated it. That's cool. I was in a room of, I'd say, like 95% white people, right? Mm -hmm. All older, hardcore blues heads for sure. You could just tell. And they were enamored with the kid. I mean, the kid is a mix of, like, B.B. King, Slim Arpo, and ACDC all together. It's really, really fucking interesting. The way that he, like, riffs on that guitar is, like, just... It's like he was born with it. How'd you hear about him? Shockingly, it just showed up on my Spotify three weeks ago. <laughs> and I started listening to it, and then all of a sudden it said, oh, you know, he's coming to Fort Lauderdale for concert. And I'm like, what? I'm like, fuck. I, I was like, I'll go by myself. I don't care. Yeah. So I just bought a few tickets, and I'm like, people want to come, they want to come. If not, I got to, you know, I finagled a couple people to go with me, but um, I would have gone by myself because it, it, I mean, his music on, like, in the studios was really impressive but in in person it was even more so so it wasn't a creed concert i didn't go to a creed concert <laughs> how did you get to a creed concert well then it was the maybe nickelback i just oh. said nickelback i just said nickelback look at this photograph <laughs> every time i do it makes me laugh <laughs> i was i was um at my mechanic shop the other day and i was having a beer and Someone made said something on Nickelback, and I'm like, they're so trash. And the guy turns to me and goes, bro, you really think Nickelback's trash? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Is that a serious statement? Like, you're just... He's like, yeah, but you know their music. I was like, it doesn't matter if I know their music. It just... Their music's not good. And he was, like, really offended that I uh, said Nickelback was trash. Nobody listens to them anymore. But, I mean, people make fun of them still. Yeah, no, still. I mean, they're still we, somewhat we relevant. We still do in the, in the kitchen. Do you really? Yeah, we do all the time. Nickelback? Yeah. And Creed. And Creed? You do not listen to Creed. I used to. Back you used to? But, yeah. Oh, well, you were very sentimental back in the day? No, like, I used to listen to a lot of rock. It's the early 2000s. This is one of my favorite views. Gabe having a drink at Taurus, bringing back at least 45 folds. folds for tomorrow. Yeah. It's the best. The best is when he has Raquel, his, his uh, baby mama. Yeah. Him. <laughs> she comes to pick him up, and uh, she's there for like two hours phoning yeah, folding. Yeah. While he drinks a white claw. That's really nice. I love it. Such an interesting staff we have here at Ariane. Yeah. Um No, I I didn't talk about my two. I got the hood ornament of a nineteen forty seven Cadillac on my chest. It's pretty sick. I'm a fan. I it took me three tattoo artists to find one that would actually take the risk to do it. Because it's a tough tattoo to do. So I went two people that I know very well that are friends, they were like, Nope. One's been on this podcast. No, nope, not doing that. I, stu- I I traced it. I'm not happy. I'm not doing it. So, all right, cool. It's fine. So I think it came out pretty good. I think you, as you get older, tattoos hurt a little bit more, though. You are getting pretty old. Fuck off, man. <laughs> You're it's only three years apart from us. Doesn't feel like it. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> fuck. I'm gonna go fuck myself now. Anyways. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to add to your portion of this podcast, sir? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mic drop. I'm out. Manny, thanks. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's been fun. I'm out of here. All right, now we're going to, now the Liberated Podcast, come back to the uh, microphone here on Pankum Podcast. Yeah, go have a shot, huh? You look very stressed after talking on a microphone. 40 minutes. You'll be fine. It'll be all right. Gabe, tell 
Tell Niall I need another one. You didn't tell him the first time, fucker. All right, so where were we? Oh, man, after that interlude with uh, with Manny. It was a good interlude. It was It was a good interlude. Nobody's complaining about the interlude. Manny's the best, man. Manny's great. He's the best. He's honestly one of the most talented, humble people I've ever met in my life. Did, so did we establish for people listening what he does here specifically? He is the chef. He's of the chef. Of, yeah. I am the chef owner. He is the chef. He has CDC. He has two sous chefs. It is like uh, quite the brigade now. So, what is his? Because I know that he's listed on uh, as CDC. As a CDC, that's what he started as. Okay, so that just hasn't been updated. Because I, I posted that he was the CDC, because that was what I assumed his title was. Maybe I haven't changed it officially, but it, he's the chef of area. Got it. Just chef of area. Yeah. Well, you know, too bad for him. He's he's been demoted on our Instagram page. <laughs> no one follows us, anyways. No, that's true. Yeah. Uh, apologies to the twenty-two of you who are getting bad information. Um, sorry. I think we're up to more than 22. No, we are. We're, we're, we're up to at least 30. You think we're up at 30? Oh, 100%. Man, it's yeah, crazy. it's a new day. It's a new day around here. Dismiss. Um, so, I think that's as good a recap of that dinner. Yeah. And then other stuff as sure. we could hope for around here. Um, oh, here we go. I just want to like go in more. Thank you so much. You're a beautiful man, Gabe. Gabe, I can't wait to have you on the podcast. You're going to be on the podcast before you have a baby, huh? It's going to be the most fucked up podcast that we do. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a fuck. This guy. I'll bring a six pack of White Claw. You'll be ready. 12. Got you. I got you. What's the what's the story with being on the podcast before he has a baby? Uh, no. Gabe is like the most interesting man in the world. I feel like. Is he really? We, yeah, we can replace the Dos Equis man with Gabe. Got it. I mean, he's he's really the most interesting man in the world. You're, you're, I don't know if you're ready for this. You know what this is? No. Never made it as a wise man. Old Town Nickelback. <laughs> Are we even allowed to do this? We might have to cut the whole thing out. Isn't this better than actual Nickelback? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they used to knock. Oh, Actually, man. so I'd, I'd like to, because um, one of my parting recommendations was going to be to listen to the guy I went to his concert yesterday. Sure, yeah. I'm um, I'm a big proponent for, like, small music, right? Like, people that people don't listen to very much that are incredibly talented. This yep. kid, he's got all the makings of being incredibly special. He's just very young, so like to be a blues artist, like you don't have much to talk about when you're 24 and you're singing the blues, right? Right, right, right. I think that he has like really good stuff, but I also feel at the same time like uh, there was some like management. Look, look up, since we're sure, on this yeah. thing, look up uh, 662, which is like one of his... Um, Kingfish? Kingfish Ingram. 662, which is like one of his bangers. I mean, this kid, I mean, he really like, he crushes. He's going to jump to somewhere in the middle. That's cool. That's fine. Oh, it's so good. Can you believe the technology we're working with around here? This is fucking nuts. I can't even believe where we are right now. And you see how good he sounds? Like, in yeah, person, yeah. he sounds exactly the fucking same. 
Yeah. And probably a little bit better, to be honest. And then, you know, since he's, I mean, on the guitar, like, that's what he does. I mean, he would just crush solos on the guitar. Crush it. And, you know, he's a big boy. Right. You look at pictures of him, he's a big boy. Well, I saw the video that you posted. He's a big boy. This is the guy who was, like, the main dude who went in, in, out into the crowd. So I'm saying, he comes out into the crowd, I'm like, yeah. he's, so he's trying to, like, he's a showman, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going out into the middle of the crowd, he went into three different parts of the crowd. And he's just there, like, dapping people up and just, like, yeah. totally. Like, With the guitar and the whole thing. Yes. And um, it was it was impressive. I, I just, I haven't been, so I haven't been that impressed by a live show since the first time I went to go watch Tab Benoit. Um, and that's probably been, like, 10 years. Yeah. Because Tab is incredibly famous in the circles of New Orleans, but he's not incredibly famous to the world. Yeah. And he's probably one of the best blues guitarist drummers ever. Um, but yeah, it was it was like striking. Like I, you know, I want to support, right? So I bought shirts, I bought the vinyl, I bought the whole thing, I did the whole thing. Like, you know, it, it, it would be a shame if that kid doesn't make it. But I also saw in the show, you see when well, it's, I mean, shame if he doesn't make it. But I mean, by a lot of standards, he's, he's made, made it. it. If he's, he's made it, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, in a lot of ways he has made it. Yeah. I mean, I had never been to that venue. It's called the Parker Playhouse. Okay. Beautiful. Like, I'm expecting to go to Blues show, right? So I'm expecting, like, a ratchet, a hole in the wall. Because I'm not barely spending any time in Fort Lauderdale. And we show up, yeah, and it's yeah. like, this, like, really beautiful theater. And I'm like, feel so out of place. I feel incredibly out of place. Um, but it was, it was dope. So... Was I going with this? Fuck. What did I say before? We you went to the Parker Playhouse. Right. Talk about that you hope he makes it. He has made it. Yeah. Oh, well, what I did see in his set was there's some influences definitely from management and from labels, right? Like there's a couple fillers okay. there that they, yeah, want, yeah. that they want to be like mainstream. And that's just not who that kid is. I just don't think he can ever be that. Do you know how old he is? 24. 24. 24. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. He said that. 24, 23, 24, somewhere around there. Yeah. So, I mean, he released his first album when he was 20 or 19, something like that. I mean, it's crazy. So, I just hope that influence doesn't, like, push him into the wrong direction. Right, right, right. We'll see. I mean, music is like that, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Are we doing, is that, we're doing parting recommendations? That's not, that was, I didn't want to, like, put that in there as my parting recommendation, but I also, like, I mean, it, it, like, I was really impressed. Sure, yeah, yeah. By the show. Yeah. That I saw. Sure. Also, the cigar that I smoked. It was the uh, Aganorsa Anniversario? Yes. I smoked that earlier in the day. It was a beautiful, like, I had, like, a really nice day. It's, like, very rare for me. That's I good. I had a very nice day. Yeah. I had a midday smoke. I had lunch. You know, I did a little bit of work, and then I took, like, a cruise in a car, went to Fort Lauderdale. I actually went to Coconuts first. Coconuts is, like... Fort Lauderdale's version of Monty's. Okay. So it's like on the water. Yeah. It's like packed. There's oysters. The food is fine. But it's just, you know, a scene. Yeah. And then we went to the show, and it was cool. And then we went to a dive bar after. It was great. Good stuff. It was a good time. So the uh, the other thing that we haven't talked about here, you tell me if you don't want to talk about it for whatever reason. We can. The uh, South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Oh, this is good. So... For, for a little bit of context. I know. I love this context. So several people asked me this week, why are you doing an event? You don't do Sobe. 
And I said, you're absolutely right. Because right. this has come up on this podcast also. Several times. times. Yeah. And, I would, and I would address it. And I actually, and this was brought to me the other day. And this would have to go through you because it couldn't go through me. Um, why don't we invite Lee Schrager onto the podcast? Okay. Just to, I mean. Are I you have, asking me why we don't? No. I'm saying we should. Sure, yeah. Because I have no personal qualms with the guy. I mean, he personally, I don't think, likes me very much, but that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, my my qualms are with the business practices of the festival in and of itself, right? So, and we had this conversation. But would you say business practices or just business model? Model. You're right. Practices makes it sound... No, I, yeah. I appreciate that. That's um, that's the, I used the wrong word. Sure. Wording was off. Got it. Um, so... We spoke about this what three months ago. Uh, we might have, but it, it's it's come up over and over. So my thing with the festival Cause, cause, always, and sorry, I say that because I'm sure. Oh, you're saying we spoke about this particular festival and what you were doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the topic of the festival has come up before the last right, festival right. and all that. So my thing always equally has been, um, I feel, especially in today's day and even beforehand. Labor is tough and it's expensive. Product is expensive if you really care. And time is priceless, I think. So if you're going to ask me to do a full day event and then plus days of labor behind that, and then you're going to tell me that in response I'm going to get a five to $600 stipend to pay for that event, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me, right? And then you're going to tell me in response that it's for marketing. When in and of itself, the marketing... Like, if there's a bunch of, like, let's say 10,000 people that go to a tent in the beach, and there's a bunch of places that have these small little signs that have your name on it, I don't really see that as marketing, right? Um, I also don't think that they highlight local chefs, but that's a different conversation. But I think this is just talking about the economics of the thing. I think if you want me to spend my time, I would like to get paid for my time. Right, and it doesn't need to be a ton. It just needs to be paid. Like I need to feel like satiated for a full day, and plus my team's days of labor. So they don't really do that, you know, and they don't do that. So someone approached me. Um, so we worked in unison with Jim Beam, and we were their, uh, I guess, food provider for the day. Uh, it still had our name on it. It still had Ariette's name on it. it. Had my name on it. It was food that we would do. They gave us a food budget. They paid. Um, me and the team and you know it was like a very happy relationship so the person that I work with that actually works part of a production company for Beam uh, they shared with me that people were shocked that uh, that I decided to work with them and uh, their response was he's been a delight to work with you know we made a deal uh, we paid them for the work and that was it and that's yeah. really that that is fundamentally the only issue here. You know, I have no issue with what they do. Apparently, they stand for a very good thing, you know, money to FIU and the whole thing or whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, first of all, labor is tough. Product is tough. Time is even tougher. So if you're going to if you're going to pretty much put up a lot of time to do something and man hours, it's just going to I mean, you have to pay for that stuff. So, Yeah. I mean, I think that's where we're at. It, and also, equally, the event that they asked us to do, I think, was the most beneficial for local chefs, period, which was because um, it's located in the Gables. 
I think the people that go to that event will actually go to places like Harriet, places like Finca that was there, mm-hmm. places like uh, Babes. Finca, winner of the, what did they win, Burger Bash or something? They no, won, they, they, they actually won that event that we were at. Oh, the Swine and Wine. Yeah. Wine and Swine. Yeah. Swine and Wine. Whatever, same thing. Uh, Babes was there. Fiola was there. Uh, Luca was there. Uh, Chef Adrian's was there. These are all like, I mean, they could technically go there and go to those restaurants. But if they're in South Beach, I have a hard time finding them going from South Beach going to their restaurants. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, you know, it's far. So, and I actually had this conversation with Giorgio not too long ago because, like, that that event does make sense for people like us because it's in our neighborhood, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think Lee should be on the show. But I, I think a lot of people, yeah, and, and I have, I, personally, I don't have any problem inviting, so we'll invite him to the show. Invite him. Yeah. Or maybe he's one of our 22 listeners. Lee Schrager, yeah. you're invited to the show, but we'll Lee, also be in touch. you've been invited to the show. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I think you're a great guy. I just don't like the festival. <laughs> great. There it is. There you go. Um, so did, did we already say what – so you, I know that you, you mentioned that you were working with Beam. Did you yeah. talk about what you actually did? No, we did um, – so their whole thing is like they wanted to do something pork-based. Obviously, it's called swine one. Right. So we took our uh, bacon um, – bacon before we smoked it. And then we braised it in iron beer. You don't bet. You don't bet. Which is, I guess, like Hispanic's version of Dr. Pepper. It's not like really sarsaparilla y, but it's not like just like Coke either. You I don't know? know. I don't drink it. I don't drink any soda. I don't drink soda things. either. But yeah. Yeah, we'll Google it. bet. Google it. Actually, you should look up the ad for and just play it in the background for you don't bet. Maybe, no, but Gowie would have to put an ad on here for us to do that. Give us all your money, Gowie. Yeah. It's a ad at dademag.com. <laughs> and um, we did that. Uh, we A crispy piece of brioche that we lightly fried, uh, tomato jam. And then we took, like, iceberg lettuce, romaine lettuce, shredded it thin, and we put it in this very, like, acidic slaw on top. So it was basically a version of a BLT. Okay. And it was delicious. Yeah. Super good. Good stuff. I loved it. Very good. Yep. So, I mean, I think we've been at it an hour-ish, including the Manny stuff. Has it been an hour? Yeah. God, time flies. You want to do some winding down here? Yeah, let's. I'm super ready to wind it down. All right. So, Slow wind the, for me. Slow wind for me. Man, I wish, I wish we had budget for the rights to all this stuff. <laughs> but that's not the same. We could use that. No, no. This is why we need Zach the Baker in here. I'd like to say openly, I've spent a good amount of time with Zach. And actually, congratulations to Zach being nominated right. for Best Baker. Yep. That's epic. That 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 thing isn't Parisian. It's for the entire country. Right. So the, yeah, like, the Outstanding Baker thing isn't South. It's, yeah. Uh, listen, we've had quite the people. Uh, Pablo Zitzman, Best New Restaurant. That's right. That's also huge. That's the whole country. Yeah, congratulations yeah, Congratulations yeah. to him. Um, you know... Val was supposed to be on the show six times. She just, you know, um, whatever. Um, yeah. No, Great. we have a pretty oh, Michael solid fucking Schwartz. Most Michael outstanding Schwartz. chef for the country. I was just talking about Michael that Schwartz's uh, appearance on this podcast a while ago. Um, I, I forget why it came up, but I mentioned to somebody uh, when on that podcast, you mentioned that you read a lot of books. And I think he said, prove it. <laughs> or bullshit or something along those lines. Yeah. 
Um, Fucking jerk. Yeah, man. No, the, the the roster is pretty solid. Yeah. No. And then if you go back into past year, past years, what is uh, Jose? Is like a five time. Mendine. Yeah. Man, what a what he's, a, he's what got a, like four or five noms. What a time I had with Jose. Yeah. Yeah. After service on Saturday, I had a drink with Jose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a drink at all. Mm. He's such a like, he's such a great, great human being. And just like a, a a a great person to like bounce life off of, you know, like just talk about things. And he's a little bit older than me, so it's like great to just I don't know shoot the shit and uh, I think learn by proxy, right? Yeah, because he's lived a lot more than I have, so he's the best. Yeah, and he was nominated fucking like I think five times. Uh, yeah, some right. shit like that. Yeah, Joe Rogan took all our Spotify money and. Jose Mendin took all our Walmart money. He did. Yeah. I mean, and Kikoman. Kikoman money. He took too. our Kikoman money? He did. He did. Oh, man. Show me, show you Kikoman? Yeah. I mean, if uh, I would love for people to go find that video you showed me. Yeah. Well, we put it in the podcast in that episode. It's just so epic and so ridiculous. I just wish that we could put Jose's face on the little man. I got to tell you, that, that sounds very doable. <laughs> I know it, it does. Sounds... I know it does. Oh, there it is. Here comes the sound. Here comes the sound. There it is. We don't have the rights to this either. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, if you guys could see this right now. This is so good. This is ter- terrible podcasting, but fuck, yeah. it's so entertaining. Can I tell you, I was listening to, um, so I've recommended in the past things related to Coleman Hughes, who did a, a song called Blasphemy, and he's a writer and a bunch of stuff. And he was on uh, on Rogan's podcast, again, where uh, all of our Spotify money was taken. Yeah. And I was fucking Rogan, man. And I was cracking up because there was a at, at some point in the conversation they start talking about breathing exercises, and then Rogan mentions that sometimes like a thing he does regularly is to practice inhaling for a full thirty seconds and then exhaling for a full thirty seconds, and then proceeds to do it on the podcast. It was that I can't do that for thirty was, seconds. It goes on and on and on. And then, you know, he's talking about how, like, it's really... Spotify pays him all that money to do that. Man, the thing went on for, like... We could do that. The thing went on for, like, three hours. I can do that. Panko un suspiro. good. But welcome to Panko un suspiro with Chef Michael Bedran. Talking about, like, Cubanisms, a friend of mine today showed me his pizza tattoo that on top of it says pizza. Oh, that's so good. You know Man, who that friend is? No. Panko Podcast Hall of Famer, Chris Hughesby. Get the fuck out of here. That is, that's the best tattoo I've ever heard of. I was like, I'm so jealous. I didn't think that's of that first. Best. So good. And nobody else can do it because then you're just like knocking that off. Uh, for sure. Yeah. But I'm totally, I'm kind of okay with that. I don't even care. Yeah, about well, you know. Fuck it. It is what it is. Um, so I, I think we were kind of getting into party recommendations. So if you have one in mind, I'll let you... I mean, I was going to, I mean, my idea for parting recommendations was to listen to this kid's music. Sure. You know, I mean, uh, it was. You said it was Kingfish and. It was uh, Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram. Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram. Yeah, I think it's Chris Stone. I 
think. Okay, yeah. Like, like Nick taps feverishly on his MacBook. Yeah, Chris Stone. I've never heard Chris Stone before. Me neither. That's why I yeah. was like, is it Chris Stone? Chris Stone. Yeah, it's like a, a twice fried Christopher. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah, That's so fucked up, but it's so funny. Yeah, so Chris, C H R I S T O N E, Ingram, I N G R A M. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'll for sure be listening to that. Listen to listen to all of it. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you get into like the Spotify stuff, and we're not uh, since they don't pay us, I'm not like doing an ad for Spotify. But they go into some like really good music after. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you if you're into that shit. So, um, that was good. And then another parting recommendation. Uh, I I just recently visited Abba. Pretty sure that's the name of the restaurant. Not though. the band. No. Can you look it up? Abba by Sam Gorstein. Um, Sam Gorstein was, uh, he once worked at, he also worked under Michael Schwartz at a time. And then he was, he opened the original My Ceviche and then he opened up the chain and then he left the company. How do you spell the name of the restaurant? I think it's A-B-B-A-A, Saba Abba. It's Tel, Tel Aviv Cuisine. I'm totally butchering this and I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I, I know the place you're talking about, and I'm also blank. Uh, Abale? I don't know if that's Abale. how you say it, but it's... Abale. 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 Um, so we Ab- just... Abale Televivian Kitchen. There you go. That's exactly it. Um, so I had a, a meeting at Scapegoat because we're about to roll out a new cocktail menu, so we're about to try all the new cocktails, which they're all delicious. Um, and after driving around looking for parking south of 5th for 40 minutes, which was... Such a good time. Um, yeah, I had like an hour and a half to kill, so I went over there. I sat by myself at the bar. I ordered way too much food for myself. It was all delicious, simple, well executed, really, you know, like I had uh, three different dips. I'm a fan of Israeli food. I mean, it, it was really fucking good. Yeah. Really fucking good. And now his pastry chef is a uh, legend everywhere Eddie Goldsmith mm-hmm. so I took some stuff to go uh, baklava and then these like cake things uh, feta and date I believe I mean they were all really good I mean everything was delicious so I had lunch there very good um, so that's another one of, one of my parting recommendations good stuff yeah I do my best yeah well you know that's why your name is on the sandwich <laughs> Um, man, I, I didn't put any thought into uh, parting recommendations this time around. Just let it rip, man. You know, let it rip. Saturday nights at Nick's house. That's right. Saturday. So, I mean, if you're listening to this, it's too late. Yeah. But uh, March. For big fight. Big fight. Who's going to win? 5th. Kobe Covington or uh, Masvidal? Um, uh, I'm going to say either. I know this is a little bit of a cop out, but I think <laughs> either Masvidal finishes Covington or Covington wins by. Unanimous decision. So, what I know, what I've heard from people that actually, I don't, I'm not an MMA person, but if Covington takes it past the second round, Masvidal is going to struggle. That's what I heard. Yeah, I mean, I think the longer it goes. Right. Um, But if Masvidal can finish him in the first two rounds, then he's done. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, if he finishes, he finishes. I don't know. I don't know what any of that means because I don't know much about MMA. So well, like if there's, if there's if there's a knockout, knock knockout or submission. Right. So it just means maybe uh, Masvidal's like training isn't there to get past two uh, rounds. Like I don't really know. It's it's more that um, Covington is known for. It's a corny phrase, but it's one that gets used all the time when people talk about him for uh, weaponizing his cardio. Um, he just has like a pretty impressive gas tank, which was part of why the fight with Usman, both of them, were as exciting as they were because they went all five rounds, and even in the fifth round, they were both at like a ridiculous pace. Right. So it's tough for it's tough for people to keep up with them for five rounds. Um, so the. You know, the thing is, uh, uh, I mean, at this point, again, if you're listening to this, the fight's already happened, so it's going to sound silly. But um, in those fights with Usman, uh, Masvidal impressed people with his ability to not get taken down or at least get back up after being taken down. Mm. So uh, Covington is also like or was an elite college wrestler. Right. So against most people, that's like, you know, somewhere he can go. Uh, or at least like the threat of the takedown and the wrestling is is always a factor. Right. So it'll be an interesting fight, especially I think if you know the if if it gets out of the first round, because uh, at that point you know when people start when if it's a question of like does Masvidal catch him or does he gas out first? Uh, how much of an issue is the wrestling? Right. And they also trained together for a long time. Oh right, which I heard I heard that Covington actually slept on his couch. Right, like that's, Covington yeah. slept on Masvidal's couch. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because Mas- Masvidal is like four or five years older, I think. So for a long time, because they look kind of like the same age. No, he's four. I think Masvidal is like thirty-seven, and Covington is I don't know thirty-three ish. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting, and it's it at least like as a fan, it's more fun when like there's real bad blood. Mm. Um, you know, whether that ends up meaning anything in the fight, who knows. Right. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I just watched a couple of clips uh, today on my way here of uh, no, not uh, after service of like the um, fucking press uh, mm-hmm. press conference. Yeah. And I mean, it looks like they actually don't fucking like each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks pretty heated. Well, like, I think the backstory there is something like that. Uh, Masvidal had uh, had introduced Covington to a coach who then never got paid. So that's like part of the thing. And then Masvidal says that he ended up paying Covington's bill because he felt bad because he was the one who brought him in the first place and he stiffed this guy. So it's a, there's a whole a whole thing. Right. It, it kind of goes to there's a there's a in this fight, part of what makes it entertaining is the thing that's been commented on this podcast a few times about sports being uh, uh, soap theater. operas. Yeah, it's theater. Yeah. I mean, it's all about theater. Yeah. Because, I don't know, like, uh, this is basically the tele telenovela for all the mid-30, mid-40-year-old grown-ups. Right. But, but it's it, in this case, it feels real. It maybe is real, which maybe it's less theater and more achievement. Do you think that so. UFC is a little more like WWF? In some ways, of like trying to trying to show that theater than anything else. Nah, not necessarily. No, I, th- I think. I mean, it's... I think I find a lot of it in boxing. Sure. Um, I mean, it's a lot of like theater, like people trying to like put on a persona. I mean, look at Floyd changed completely from Pretty Boy Floyd to like who Floyd is now. Um, he did change his boxing style completely too, but you know, it's 
I don't know. There's theater and all of it. I, I think it's a lot like the like football, in the sense that there's a central organization that's telling those stories because you know, and they'll they'll do all that stuff. The thing is that it's a one-on-one sport, right? So you can really sort of capitalize on it more. There's there's really not like a, it's it's rare in say basketball or football that you have a real like ongoing one-on-one rivalry, like in the NBA, for instance. It's maybe what they would have done with like Bird and Ma- and Magic Johnson, or something like that. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're always gonna like make this big show like right. something that's maybe not that big of a deal. Exactly. I just think that it, with with MMA, it's like if boxing was all controlled by one organization, you strip away the rest of the team, right? And you can just market that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, boxing may benefit, and also it hinders them the fact that there's so many different factions that box. Like, there's so many different belts. UFC. Um, they benefit from the fact that there's one UFC. Right, I mean, there's right, other, right. like, sub things. Yeah. And I've learned this through Dave Arvello, because I don't really know much. But um, it just all sounds confusing. I don't think it's as... I, I think it's, like, the equivalent of, like, single, double, and triple-A baseball. Yeah, sure. You know? I mean, I was I was at the gym this morning. Not organized the same way, but, like, conceptually, in terms of how you might progress with, like, the UFC and maybe one in Asia being the premier goal for most people i was at the gym this morning and there was uh, a couple guys sparring that i watched them spar great match um young kid do me a favor flip that screen around just turn it around this way by the way by the way yeah boom boom look at that beautiful man look at oh, that oh man oh man look at that i'm a little cut off but you know, yeah. oh, you're fine you're it fine. is it's good that'll do yeah that's fine it's fine don't worry about it <laughs> stop touching things. Stop, stop touching it. Stop touching it. Um, you know, and I was like, you know, these guys are good. And uh, one of the coaches was like, yeah, you know, he's like 9-0 and as an amateur. I'm like, I mean, this guy could probably box. I mean, I've watched pro boxing. I mean, watching this guy box. Yeah. Box. Like, oh, I don't know if he can box. I don't know. There's so many, like, layers to it all. And I, that, since it's not my sport, I mean, I played football for a long time. That's a sport that I know. I don't totally get it. I don't totally get how they get to like the next level. Does it have to be like someone just likes you and then they get you to the next level? It's just very weird. Well, so. f- from what from what Dave has told me, and I think he might have brought some of this up in the in the conversation that we had on this podcast, um, which uh, his episode was a while ago now. Uh, but th- that aspect of boxing is very different from MMA, um, in the sense that. There's a lot more, like, manipulation of matchups and stuff like that in boxing. Mm. So, like, if you're undefeated in MMA for that many fights, people are looking at you like, oh, okay, this is serious. Whereas you can be, like, you can have a 9-0 record in boxing and it not mean a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, you could spend, like, a year in another country and just beat up on people that don't know how to box. Right. And have, sorry, a pro record that's, like, 10, 15 or nine. Right, right. And you're just padding your record because the one thing that Floyd did do was, you know, like the undefeated thing is huge. And Dave did talk about that and he talks about it all the time. It's like, I mean, guys are allowed to lose. You know, like you want them to fight the best people. And truth be told, I mean, Canelo's only got one L, but he definitely lost to Triple G one time. I, just, mm-hmm. I still don't think that's a draw. Like, I just. 
I've watched that fight so many times, and Triple G won that fight. Mm -hmm. The fact that it was draw, I'm like, they wanted him to win. They wanted him to win, mm -hmm. you know? So money goes behind a bunch of shit, and, you know, that's why it's, sure. it is the way it is. So that wasn't quite a recommendation because people are not invited to my house. <laughs> They uh, can't. Why not? We no, got a party I mean, at Nick's house. Well, because if by the time you hear this, it'll already have happened. No, but then we'll have another party. Yeah, it's we can fine. have another party. Just I mean, keep, keep your eyes peeled. Nick's on the barrel. We have a barrel. Listen, I just want everyone to know we have a plan. Can we share a plan? We have a plan? This maybe, is exciting. Maybe. We have a plan. Nick has hatched this, like, really great plan to build a mobile studio. Oh, okay. We have a, we're going to build a mobile studio so we could bring a podcast to you. Bring a podcast to your doorstep. So they're making a lot of promises. Right? <laughs> so if you want to, you know, you want to put in that dollar to Patreon, it's all going to uh, an Airstream to bring a podcast to you. It's not all going to that, but it's some. some. Yeah, help us get there. Help us work that into the budget. It's so good. Yeah, I, I mean, it. the the idea is eventually, the the idea is to... All of this that we have here, as unimpressive as it might look, takes this a while to... Super fuck. Do you remember the single microphone on Tea Time with Mike and Mike? I don't know, because no, I, I showed up at Tea Time to yeah. help with the microphone situation. That's why I was there. Right. Yeah. But I, so I showed up with a couple of microphones. and. Yeah. But but no, but this, this takes a little while to set up and break down every single time. So the goal is to outfit a uh -huh. cargo trailer... As a mobile studio mm -hmm. that we will not take to your door, but that does open some possibilities in terms of like uh, events or like we could arrange to take it to someone else's restaurant and record at their restaurant. If the pig pen at the pig pen, right? right? There's all kinds of possibilities here. Sure. So, uh, so that that's that's the goal that I'd like to get to. I'm more interested in that than in having like a static brick and mortar thing, just because it opens up a lot of like flexibility and how and where we do things. Guys, you have a little insight about Nick. Do they? And his goals. There you go. And I love it. Oh, man. Give us that dollar. Yeah, yeah. Give us the dollar. Um, <laughs> recommendations. Um, YouTube has been following, has been feeding me a lot of Seinfeld clips. I'm going to recommend people rewatch Seinfeld. Ugh. You don't like Seinfeld? I mean, I, oh, I love to be Seinfeld. in the mood. And I, I just can't. Seinfeld. I don't know. I just, mm, I like Jerry Seinfeld's like, uh, Stand up, I like yeah. comedians and comedians coffee. and cars. Yeah, I Getting like coffee. that. That's good. But I don't know Seinfeld. It's just not like I have to be in the mood to watch yeah, it. Yeah. Stay tuned for Cooks and Cadillacs getting croquetas. I know this is my you know Cadillacs and coffee has been a thing that I've I've thought about. I mean, car, cars and coffee is a thing all over, right? Oh, cars and coffee is like it's a it's a once a month get together yeah. that is. As ratchet and as intense as you can get, there's like fucking 500 cars there. Well, but that's like a like a like a national thing. It's like a it's a it's yeah, a it's theme everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's a thing everywhere. But Cadillacs and coffee, just because I can do it. It's there's not a lot of Cadillacs. We just put them behind jugs. It'd be great. Boom. We have coffee already. There you go. Pizza. 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 <laughs> uh, all right. So shameless plugs, Mike. Any shameless plugs from you? All the things. All the things is yeah. where we drop our All the Things song. Yep. And Pankong Podcast, shameless plugs. You can find Pankong Podcast at Pankong. I cannot, well, because I, I teased this uh, in my story, which 
probably no one's paying attention to, but it's fine. Um, the fact how there was a jersey trade-off today during my oh, tattoo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I was having a drink with Dave Arbello at uh, my favorite local dive bar at like 2 a.m., and Dave is sharing the story with me that uh, one of his good friends has found this Sade jersey. It's a one-of-one one jersey. Sade, it's got a, an album on the back, all the all the tracks on the album. It, it just doesn't exist, and it's an extra large, right? And he's super excited to get it. Dave is a, what we call husky, right? So he's a solid extra large. So this extra large is more like an extra schmedial. Right? So, uh, as we're drinking, he's like, you know, he's stroking his beard in very classic Dave Arbello fashion. He's just like stroking it. And he's like, dog, shot at jersey didn't fit. And I was like, man, that sucks. I'm sorry. He's like, but you know what, dog? It'll fit you. That's it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and he's like, I think you should have it. And I was like, cool. I'll definitely take it. He's like, doesn't fit me. I said, all right, cool. I'll take it. So Dave texted me today at like 2.30. I had just started getting my tattoo. It was like a long five-hour tattoo. So uh, he's like, he's like, yo, dog, where you at? I said, you know, I'm at Ocho Blacas. I'm getting a tattoo, you know, whatever. He's like, so I want to, you know, we made a deal. And I actually had forgotten. Oh, we made this deal. You forget most things. That's not true. Yeah, don't sure. Put that evil on me. I don't forget, forget a lot of most, things. I don't forget most things. Come on, Nick. Maybe most is an exaggeration. I forget things, but I'm not most. Forget things. a lot of things. I f- okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, you tell he, him you're getting your tattoo, and he was like, "I'm going to come by. I'm going to drop off this jersey because." Word is bond. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, dog, word is bond. I told you you're going to get the jersey. I'm going to give you the jersey. I said, all right. So just true to his word, Dave shows up, and he was about to take off to go to Orlando to go meet some people. He's like, I wanted to give you this uh, jersey before I left town. He's leaving the town for two days. It's yeah. not like he's leaving for like three months. Yeah. And uh, But he was just like very much in like word is bond. Yeah. And I was like, Cool, dog. I, I mean, I'll, I'm, I, I'm in. I'm into it. I'm into it. So, um, that's what happened. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can cut that part out. We can give it to the people. All the things. I still got to recommend all my shit. I mean, we've, we've done this eighty times already. There it is. Ooh. Get into all the things. Got to sway. Hands up. Hands up. That's so good. Man. I haven't heard that in months. Uh, yeah, that's, I'm sure you have. <laughs> um, so, yeah, find Pancom Podcast at Pancom Podcast on all of the social media things. If you want to support what we're doing around here, patreon.com slash dademag, D-A-D-E-M-A-G. Also, this is really not a shameless plug, uh, but FYI to people. Speaking of Dave Arvello, I've been uh, DMing back and forth with him. He uh, he has tickets to a thing that we will be giving away because he can't use them. Uh, 
so we're giving away his two tickets to see Bill Maher at the Fillmore tomorrow. Wow. He's donated them to Pancom Podcast. How? I mean, we're going to release this in like a week and a half. Yeah, no, if you're, li- if you're listening to this now, it's too late, but we will announce it on social media. And I'm letting you know here so that if you miss that, you know that you should be following us on social media. Do you like Bill Maher? I don't mind Bill Maher. You don't? No, I mean, I don't like agree with him on everything, but I find it entertaining. I watch Bill Maher things. I watch yeah. things I don't agree with sometimes. Mm. You know, and I don't disagree with him on everything. It's, okay. I don't think you need to agree with him to... I mean, I find him entertaining. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I find him entertaining. Yeah, I, I, I would go. I just can't. He offered them to me. Uh, I don't know what, you know, so. What are you doing that you can't go? You know, not able to go. <laughs> okay. So. No lightning round. No, there will be no lightning round here. We can't give each other a lightning round, right? That We've weird. done that. It's uh, Yeah. That sounds weird. Oh, man. <laughs> do we have music for that? Does Kingfish do something appropriate for that situation? No, he doesn't. Um, and uh, and last thing, stay tuned. Oh yeah, because at some point soon, who uh-huh. knows? Maybe even before this comes out, uh-huh. we will have information about our next live podcast. Right, it's happening at some point soon. There are next to no details for it. There are absolutely no details. But we are this. working with a a sponsor for the event to figure out what it will be and when it will happen and all of that stuff. People sponsor us. There will be a thing. There yes. will be a thing. It's just a matter of when, and we're going to try to get it done before the weather turns super hot so that we can do it outside in Miami mm. comfortably. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's it. That's all I got. You sound less than confident. Me too. <laughs> That's all I got there. That's great. All right. Thanks. Wear shorts, everyone. Goodbye. Uh, Wear wear shorts. Party recommendation. Wear shorts. Thank you.